Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you. We appreciate you. We honor you. Thank you for bringing us thus far, God. We can't do what we do without your help, and so we thank you for that. Now, God, I'm praying that you would help me to feed your people, your sheep, God. Help them to not come here and leave the same way that they came. Help them to receive something that would bless them and benefit them. And for that, I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and let's do our confession. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of the Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Now, come on, make some noise this morning if you believe God's going to feed you. I'm going to start off by reading four scriptures, and uh, then after that, I'll announce the title, and then we'll bring Mother Mitchell in to read. So, this is a, a familiar miracle, but I'm not going to teach on it. I'm just reading it, and I'm going to go somewhere. So, Let's look at John 9 and 1. It says this, this is the tagline, Jesus heals a man born blind. It says this, it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Verse 2, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Dropping down to verse 6, it says this, Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Y'all ain't got to say it. I'll say, ugh, Jesus. I don't quite know why he would do it like that. And I'm not even going to try to explain it because I still, I don't know. I've been reading this all my life. I don't know why. He had to do it like that. Verse 7 says this. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. So it worked. I'm glad it worked. But it still leaves me with the question, why you had to do it like that? You the God of the universe. Couldn't you just make clay pop out of the sky? Why you have to spit in the ground to make the clay? I don't know, but it worked. Somebody say it worked. That leads me to what I want to talk about today. It's simply this, messy miracles. Messy miracles. Not, not, not all miracles are buttoned up. And fancy. Some miracles are messy. 
And the question is, why does it have to be so messy? Let, let, let's just be honest. And this, I'm just talking to us's in here. You ever wonder why somebody else gets blessed so much easier than you? Why they road have to be so much easier? I get blessed. God blesses me, but many times it's messy when I get blessed. It's hard. I get blessed through tears. I get blessed through pain. I get blessed through issues. I get blessed through hangups. And that other person, they just seem like they look, they float on cloud nine all day life. Their life is a bowl of cherries. My life ain't never really worked like that. In order to get a yes, I had to get 100 no's first. In order to get one good picture to post on Instagram, I had to delete 25 of them. I, I, I don't know why it's so hard for me, but sometimes my, my miracles are just messy. Well, maybe, if we're being honest, maybe because I'm a little messy. You ever met somebody that's just a little messy? You go out to eat with them and they talk about everybody, including themselves. They just talk about everything, everybody. Just messy. But sometimes God uses the mess. I heard somebody say sometimes your mess becomes your message. So let, let's put up a definition of mess as I try to track through this and unpack it. Uh, First definition is a dirty or untidy state of things or of a place. Uh, I'm going to pause right there. When I come out on Sunday morning, I try to look my best. I even try to rock my brand new Jordans today. Just try to look my best. But if you come to my house, my, my bedroom door going to be shut. It's not going to be shut because of Devin. It's going to be shut because there's some spots in that room that are untidy, unkept, and it's all my fault. I got some stuff I want to keep hidden. I got some stuff I want to show, and I got some stuff I want to keep hidden. Now, I'm telling on myself, but let's flip it to the Christian spectrum. Yeah, yeah y'all saved. Yeah, y'all Christians, but all y'all got some stuff y'all want to hide. Y'all got some stuff you don't want pastor to know about. Got some stuff you don't want God to know about. Can we be honest? We all got some untidy places in our life. Now, sometimes it's because we're trifling. My mama used to tell me that word. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know how it was spelled until I seen it in a dictionary the way she used to use it. I thought it was my middle name. Boy, you trifling. Yeah, I had some trifling ways, but sometimes it's not always about being trifling. Sometimes you're just in a hurry. Sometimes you're just busy. Sometimes things get out of hand quicker than you know. It, it, it's amazing. It's easy to wash clothes, but it's much harder to fold them and put them up. Once you put them in the washer, in the dryer, if that was the end of the job, it would be okay. But you got to take it out and put it up and put it where it go. And sometimes life gets the best of you. And before you know it, things have gotten untidy. Same things happens in your Christian walk. I was like, I like Issa Rae, so I started watching Insecure. And I like it. It's a good show. But the more I started watching it, the more insecure I became in my walk with God. That's not what I planned on when I turned the show on, but certain things got untidy in my life. 
I'm saved and I'm just a social drinker. So I have a margarita every now and then. But you should have seen me on Cinco de Mayo. Something got the best of me. I didn't do what I thought I was going to do. I wasn't as saved as I thought I was going to be. The one turned into seven and I didn't know I was like that. But somehow I got some untidy areas in my life. I didn't plan on it. I didn't mean it for it to happen, but every now and then I get a little messy, and so do you. Now, when I say I, I'm not talking about me. I'm throwing stuff out there for your benefit so you don't have to tell on you. I just throw stuff out there. Amen. So you, we, we, we're one of them churches. We're not going to judge you, but I... I do prophetically say stuff from the pulpit that I know didn't happen to me, so I know it happened somewhere out there. Let's, let, let's, let's move on. Let's, let's go back to that definition, and let's pick up definition number two. A situation or state of affairs that is confused or full of difficulties. It's possible, it's a possibility that some of the mess really didn't have a lot to do with you. Could have been the spouse that you with. Could be the boss that's around. Could be the president of the United States. It, it could be for whatever reason, we done found ourselves in a mess. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's their fault. Sometimes it's a collective fault. But at the end of the day, the only thing I know for sure is it is a mess. So what we're going to do, let's, let's go and let's look at miracle, though. So miracle is this, a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable or explainable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. So when I was growing up, somebody told me, God, don't bless mess. And I know what they were trying to say, but I've seen God step in a mess and bless it anyhow. Because he's so big and he's so bad that the mess doesn't mess him up because he's bigger than the mess. So if by chance the mess happened and it got outside of your control, I don't want you to throw in the towel. I don't want you to let some super spiritual deep Christian tell you that God is through with you just cause you're in a mess cause I've seen God bless messes anyhow cause he's just that big and he's just that bad. I've seen marriages on the brink of divorce that turned around. I'm talking about messy marriages. I'm talking about infidelity marriages. I'm talking about some stuff that they shouldn't have forgiven. And 10 years down the road, they're helping other couples. Because when God steps in, see, not only does God show up, but he often shows out and shows off when he shows up. And so don't assume just because you found yourself in a mess that your life is over. I know a God that can still work a miracle in the middle of a mess. All right, let's, let's move on and uh, I'm going give, to give us this point. I'm going to give us two points and then uh, I, I got other points, but these are, are the two major points. And so basically you can hear me just saying that right now. Point number one is this. God specializes in taking the messy and making it miraculous. So what 
we've often told people is that they're too messed up for their life to turn around. But I'm here to let you know that actually God specializes in the messed up stuff. And so we got to learn how to stop judging with our eyes. Because in our eyes, Sister Mitchell, she look a mess. And I don't see how God ever going to work in her life because she look a mess and she don't look like she even care that she's a mess. And sometimes we judge people on the outside and we look at them and say, oh, they don't care what they're doing. But you don't really know what's going on on the inside of them. They care, but they just don't know how to put it together. They don't want to smoke dope anymore. They, they don't want to prostitute anymore, but that's all they know. And sometimes they run into a Christian that looks down on them. But I'm so glad that God is not in the box of Christians. God will step out of your religious box and bless folk anyhow. He'll turn a wino into a preacher anyhow. He'll bless the prostitute anyhow. And excuse my friends, they told me that you can't make a hoe into a housewife, but when God get ready, he can turn anybody into anything he wants because he's just that big and he's just that bad and actually he specializes in the messy stuff. And I'm grateful because I'm not the perfect Christian. I'm the messy Christian every now and then. And that doesn't disqualify me from the miraculous of God. Now, let, let, me, let, let me just throw in some other things in there. Let, let, let me say to you, your money's out of whack. You, you, you done bought what you shouldn't have bought. You in debt and you shouldn't be in debt. But that don't mean God still can't turn the situation around. Yeah, your marriage is messed up, but that don't mean God still can't turn it around. Yes, you're at the unemployment line, and you done messed up a bunch of jobs. I ain't talking about the, the, the job laid you off. I'm talking about you've been fired from some stuff. I like people tell you, when people working a job in May, and then in June, you ask them, what's going on? Well, I don't have no job. What happened? Well, they, they made a change. They didn't make the change. You got fired, baby. Tell the truth. You done something stupid and you got fired. You showed up smelling like a mound of weed and you got fired. But even though you done done some stupid stuff, I know a God that gives second chances and third chances and 52nd chances. If you just open up and say, God, I'm a mess, but I still need miracle. Actually, to be honest, miracles are for crisis times. Because when you're in perpetual blessing, you really don't need a miracle. The fact that you need a miracle means there's a crisis somewhere. So if you're in a mess and you need a miracle, it's okay. Call out to God and say, God, help me. Amen. All right, let's, let's go to number two. The question isn't if God can do it. The question is, can we manage the mess long enough to get to the miracle? When I say manage the mess, I'm not saying you're comfortable with the mess, but there are some stuff that it took you a while to get in, so it may take you a while to get out. Now, I know we like, the, we like this oil here that the pastor has. And we want him to drop some oil on us, and we want everything to change overnight. But you didn't get in that situation overnight. No, you, you, you didn't get in debt overnight. Well, pastor, I want you to pray that my credit score comes up. If your credit score 350, it's not changing tomorrow. It's going to take a while. 
But can you manage the mess? Can you discipline yourself even in the mess when, when things are going opposite once you start going in the right direction? What's interesting about the things of God, many times when you start going in the right direction, more wrong starts happening to you. Can you manage the mess when things start going wrong? When you decide I'm going to stick in the marriage and somehow the spouse starts acting even uglier than they did before. What, what happens when you say I'm going to pray for my kids and your kids start acting worse than they were before you started praying. You got to learn how to manage the mess. I didn't get in here by myself. I didn't get in this overnight. So I'm not going to worry that it's not being fixed overnight. But God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust the process. And I'm going to believe you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you even in the middle of the mess. And let me go ahead and congratulate some of y'all because you've been managing the mess very well. You've been lifting your hands and praising God when you should have been crying and sticking your head in the sand. But something on the inside of you says, I got a feeling. Everything going to be all right. I, I can't see my way out, but I got an inkling. I got a hunch that it's going to turn around. It may not have happened today and it may not happen tomorrow. I may have been in this for 10, 15 years, but I don't believe God going to leave me like this. So I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. I'm praying anyhow. I'm hoping anyhow. I cry and I pray. I cry. And I hope I'm upset and I'm still believing because I'm going to manage this mess. Manage it. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to do the best I can. How, what, what's one way you can manage the mess, Pastor? You got to learn how to put a smile on your face. Listen, there's a lot of people that they are not qualified to handle your stuff. So you walking around with a frown on your face so somebody can ask you, how are you? Listen, they ain't going to do you no good because once you tell them what's really going on, they are not qualified to handle what's really happening in your life. So guess what? Put a smile on your face. And when people ask you how you're doing, it is well. I'm blessed and highly favored. You may feel like you're lying, but fake it until you make it. I'm going to come up out of this one way or one how. I don't know when. I don't know how, but I'm doing okay. God's been good to me. God is on my side. You got to learn how to prophesy your future. Manage the mess. Because it may not change overnight. It may take a while. So learn how to manage it. Learn how to deal with it. Listen, if you spoiled your child from one until 15, don't expect at 16 they're going to act the best. No, it was a process that you got in and give God a process to get you out of it. Learn how to manage the mess. Learn how to deal with it. Learn how to, to operate. All right, and so those two points is the crux of the message. I'm going to teach further to get us some scripture, but that, that's the main thing. Number one, God specializes in a mess. And if you can manage what you're in and wait till God specializes, he can get you out of anything. Somebody say anything. All right, 2 Kings 5, 1 through 7 from the New Living Translation. We're going to go beyond verse 7, but that's just how I wanted to start. And so, Mother Mitchell, I'm going to bring you in in verse 1. The king of Aram 
had great admiration of Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But through Naaman was a mighty warrior who suffered from leprosy. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So there's this King Aram. There's this guy who was a great general in uh, Aram's kingdom. And he was mighty, but he had leprosy. Let me put this point up for you. This will help you very much. It's very possible to be both mighty and suffering at the same time. Yes, I'm a mighty man of God. Yes, I am. But that don't mean I'm not still suffering some stuff. Yes, you are a mighty woman of God. Yes, you are. But that doesn't mean you're not suffering some stuff sometimes. We seem to assume that once you're mighty, you're not suffering. But sometimes those things happen simultaneously. They could be promoting you on your job and your family could be going to hell in the handbasket. Sometimes it's one area is going well and another area is going wrong at the same time. And you got to learn how to deal with being mighty and suffering. And here's the problem with being mighty and suffering is because people know you mighty, they don't assume you're suffering. So guess what? Folk don't normally check on the strong folk. Strong folk don't normally get calls to say, what can I do for you? Because you always look strong. Well, I am strong, but just because I'm strong don't mean I don't have some bad moments. But normally people don't see your bad moments, so they, already, they always assume you got it all together. And social media helps people think you got it all together. But when your head hits the pillow, sometimes you're suffering. Sometimes stuff that you thought you had fixed will come back in your life. And you didn't even know you were fine. You thought you was fine. And here it comes. Grief is one of those things. Grief will knock at your door when you least expect it. The little smallest thing will happen and it'll trigger something. Before you know it, you can walk in the mall and smell cologne of your grandpa that passed. And it puts you in a place that you just didn't plan on being in. And you can't tell nobody because somebody's saying, why are you crying over somebody that died 17 years ago? I don't know. But right now, I'm just. My God, my God, my God. I'm suffering, but I'm still mighty. And that's why I love Deliverance Temple is because you don't have to put on your church face here. You can come here and get the help you need. You can be crying in the pews. Yes, you're mighty. And I was so mighty that I made it here and I sat down. But while I'm honest with God, God, I need your help because I'm suffering, but I'm mighty. I'm hurting, but I'm mighty. I'm blessed of the Lord, and I'm highly favored, but I'm also worried, and I'm confused, and I'm sick. All these things can be happening at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. Let's, let's move on. Let's look at verse 2. At this time, Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captors was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. So we, we're not talking about Israel right now. We're really talking about Aram. Aram is a different country. 
And here's this general under this country. But it says that they actually raided these Israelites and they grabbed this girl, made her a slave and brought her over to the Aram side. So why is that important? Let's continue to read. Let's look at verse three. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Now, put, let me put this point up. This is what I really love. It's often someone else in the mess that gives you hope. See, it was a little slave girl who got pulled into a mess. She had nothing to do with it. She got captured and she got brought into this family as a slave. And she told, tells her mistress, I wish my master knew about the man of God that lives in Samaria because he would heal him of his leprosy. But here's the thing about her. She didn't have to say nothing. She was a slave girl. And this is what I need you to understand. It's often somebody else that's been in a mess that gives you hope. And that's why you can't look past people because sometimes people who've been in a bigger mess, they have a whole lot of wisdom that you might need. And so this little slave girl basically says, I know somebody that you might need to know. Let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 4, 5a. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So they listened to the young girl. Let's look at verse 6. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. All right, verse 7. Let's continue to read. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. The king of Aram, who happens to be the king of Naaman, who Naaman was working under, was quite confused with what transpired. Uh, this servant girl said something about somebody in Israel that can heal. And so the king being authority, and he was actually over, he had actually taken over the king of Israel. He sent him a letter and said, hey, heal, heal my general. And the king of Israel was like, what in the world are you talking about? I can't do nothing. He must be just trying to pick a fight with me because this is not making sense. It, it's not adding up. And if you, you would have been the king, it wouldn't have been added up to you either. So let's look at this next verse, verse 8. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. I love the way this whole thing transpires. So the prophet of the land found out that the king of Israel is tripping out. He Because when you tore your clothes, that meant, meant all hope was lost. And so the prophet was like, Why, what is he tripping out for? And he finds out the story that they want me to heal uh, somebody, a general from over there, and the general has already raided the land and beat us up, and, 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 and it's about to get any worse. And he said, oh, <laughs> don't, don't trip. 
I need them to know there's a prophet here in Israel. I'm going to put it together for you for the, with this point. Put this point up. Sometimes the mess is there just to show those in authority what real power looks like. So the mess that you're in sometimes is not even about you. It's about the folk in authority around you finding out that you hooked up with somebody that is bigger than what they know. Um, let, let me put it to you like this. On your job, there are people that don't know the God that you serve. In your school, there's professors that don't know the God that you serve. And so once it looks messy, you wonder, how did I get in the mess? The mess really ain't even about you. It's about the folk in authority around you to know that there is something that you're connected to, to connected to that's greater than them and greater than you. So guess what? The mess ain't about you. The mess is so God can step in and show himself off and show himself strong. There's some politicians that don't believe what you believe. There's some folk that don't believe what you believe. But guess what? Your life is about to prove to them that there is a power that they know not of. Because once you get the end of your rope, sometimes people are looking, they're watching, they're, they're, they're paying attention to you, and they can't wait for you to fall. They see you hanging on by a thread, and it looks like you're going to fall any moment. But when you bounce back bigger and stronger, they're going to know that didn't have nothing to do with them. I wonder who they're connected to. And let me tell you, I'm connected to the living God. I, I'm connected to the Savior, the Master. And the fact that I'm no longer addictive, no 12 steps couldn't do it. The doctor couldn't do it, but God stepped in. The fact that I'm still married, God stepped in. The fact that I still got a job, God stepped in. The fact that I still got my mind, God stepped in. This was the Lord's doing. I couldn't do it. The government couldn't do it. My education couldn't do it. My money couldn't do it. My mama them couldn't do it. My daddy them couldn't do it. This was the Lord. Trump couldn't do it. Biden couldn't do it. The Democrats and the Republicans couldn't do it. But God showed up and he showed out in my life. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all are walking advertisement for the power of the Lord. My mother preached last week. My mother late in her life loses her husband. And she shouldn't be as strong as she is. But she's a billboard. She's a flashing billboard that even though I lost somebody, I didn't lose. My God, my God is still here. I'm here to let you know you are walking billboard that God can step in and make up the difference. With me and God, I can make it out of anything. I, I can overcome anything. I can do anything because it's me and it's God. Now, if I have a dollar and uh, Brother Curtis, you have a million dollars and you say you want to hook up with me, we got a million and one dollars. Because I'm taking what he got because he said he wants to hook up with me. Now, I know I only have a dollar, 
But he said he wants to hook up with me so everything he has gets connected to me. Well, guess what? In this equation, I'm only a dollar, but God is a billion dollars. And if he hooks up with me, I get what he got because I got him on my side. And because the Lord is with me and the Lord is for me and the Lord has chosen to be with me and to step in my mess, guess what? I'm going to be all right. Oh, how you going to make it? I don't know, but I'm going to make it. What you going to do? I don't know, but I'm going to make it. What's, uh, what's going to happen? I don't know, but the Lord's going to provide. You are a walking billboard for the goodness of the Lord. Remember in 2000, the year 2000, me and my wife got married, and late in 99, we did not have a home. I didn't have a home for us to go to. We were going to get married March 4th of 2000. So by December, around Christmas time, we had not yet found a home. And so someone asked me, he said, where y'all going to stay? I said, I don't know. And they looked at me like, what you mean you don't know? And I was like, the Lord going to provide. And they was like, you ain't got to be deep about everything. I wasn't trying to be deep. I don't know. I don't have it. It hasn't worked out. I done tried it. But other stuff done fallen through. But guess what? By February 2000, I was in a house. Because when God gets ready to work something out, it doesn't make a difference how late in the day it is. When God steps in, he makes way. Now, sometimes you got to get a little crazy. I remember when me and my wife, she was just my fiance at the time, when we seen the home that we were supposed to have, what we thought it was, uh, we prayed over. And then I went back and I, I, I had to pray about this, but I felt like I was supposed to walk around the house seven times. Now, I was hoping there wasn't nobody there because you see a black man walking around the house, the police might call, be called on me, but I just believed by faith and I stepped and I walked around seven times and yes, the house became mine because with my faith and with God's power, there's nothing that is impossible. Praise God. For, and then, and then that, that house was a house we were renting and uh, we were there for two years and I felt like I wanted to be a homeowner. I didn't want to rent all my life, but I didn't know how to buy a house. I barely got in the house that I was renting. I didn't know how it was going to work out, but God ended up working out, and then we got the house, and then when I told the landlord that I was leaving, she was like, oh, that's good. I'm glad you're going, and then I told her where we were moving to, and she had a funny look on her face. I didn't realize until later it was a street over from her, so she was wondering, how in the world are you renting from me today but moving next to me tomorrow? I can't explain it, but when God steps in, he works. He works stuff out. Lady never talked to me again, got an attitude. It ain't my fault that God elevated me. I, I don't know why you where you are, but I know God is on my side. I'm a walking advertisement. I'm a walking billboard, and so are you. Somebody say, so am I. All right, let's, let's look at verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. Verse 10. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. So the story fast forwards. They realize that the king of Israel can't help us. It's this prophet Elisha. And so 
here Naaman comes, the general comes, and he comes and he parks right in front of Elisha's door. And he's waiting for Elisha to do something, to step out. And Elisha says, uh, messenger, go out there and tell him to go dip in the Jordan. Let's, let's put this up here. Messy miracles don't follow normal patterns. That's why you can't always worry about what happened for somebody else. Because your thing may be a little more messy and it don't follow normal patterns. I don't suggest that somebody wait as long to find a house when they get married like I did. I'm not saying you should do that, but just that's just the way it worked for me. There's some stuff that happens that just don't seem right, and you can't always be at point A, point B, point C, and that's how it's going to work. Sometimes in God, two plus two don't always equal four. Sometimes God gives you addition by subtraction. Sometimes you lose before you gain. So just because it's not following a normal pattern doesn't mean that God is not still working. Oftentimes, really working, it just doesn't look like it to you. And he doesn't want it to look like to you because you'll mess it up. So he makes it look this way. Sometimes people think that blessings in God are a straight line. I started here, now I'm here. Or let me say like the rap song, I started on the bottom, now I'm here. But listen, let me tell you, my, my bottom the top has been up like this, up, down, back, forth, sideways. I didn't know what was going on in my life, but somehow I always end up at the destination that I'm supposed to end up. And so when people ask me how you do it, and I say, I don't know, it was the Lord. They think I'm being deep, but I'm telling the truth. I don't know how it happened. God did it. I don't, I don't understand it. It don't make sense to me, but God made it happen. God did it. God brought it out. I can't explain it. It's God. It don't always follow normal patterns. Let me throw this in there as an example. You ever been driving, maybe driving on the highway and you sleepy, and you got a little sleepy, and then you arrive at a certain place or a certain spot in a journey, and you don't remember how you got there? You're like, I didn't doze off somewhere because I don't remember passing this, passing that. I was at Fisher's one minute. I'm at Anderson the next. I'm right by the Nestle Bunny. I don't remember how I got to the Nestle Bunny. I don't, I dozed off, but somehow I'm still here. Let me roll the windows down. Let me wipe my eyes and wake up. But I'm here to let you know there's some stuff in my life that I don't know when I dozed off, but God brought me right where I was supposed to be. I can't explain it. It don't make sense. All I can say, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Then follow normal patterns. All right, let's look at verse 11. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. Uh-oh. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Ooh, hold on. It's funny how we like to dictate to God how we going to get our meal. We like to dictate to God how he going to bless us. I went to church and pastor preached and he didn't even lay hands on me. I didn't even know you need the hands laid on you. I, I got caught up doing something else. Well, I ain't going back to that church. I'm mad. But maybe that's not how God wanted to do it. Maybe God was going to use the, one of the deacons to touch you, but you missed it because it didn't look like you wanted it to look. 
There's somebody, I'm sorry to say, there's somebody sleeping in a bed right now that they wish they wasn't sleeping with. Because when God showed them who they were supposed to be with, it didn't look like what they wanted to look. They wanted somebody tall, dark, and handsome. And they got somebody short, bald, and light-skinned. And they said, this can't be God. So they passed them up. But later on in life, when they with the tall, dark, and handsome one that has no emotional connection and don't know how to talk to them, they wish they would have waited on God. It don't always come the way you want it to come. Don't always look like you want it to look. But when God does it, he does it right. I'm so glad my wife didn't want tall, dark, and handsome because I sure wasn't going to be able to achieve it. 5'8 is the best I got. I'm glad she was settled for 5'8. But I'm also glad that God gave me a woman that's 5'1. So it works out for me. Let's look at verse 12. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farfar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. Went away in a rage. Let, 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 let's, let's paint the picture just a little bit better. Uh, Br Brother Donna uh, says, I, I want to be healed. And I say, the Lord told me to go tell you to go dip in the White River. And Brother Donald said, why can't I go to the ocean at least? Why well, I got to go to the dirty white river? Well, here's the, here's the, the question I got to ask the, Brother Donald. Which one of us is sick, you or me? And here's the thing. When it comes to your messy miracle, God may lead you a messy way, but I got to ask you the question. Which one needs the miracle? Do you need it or does God need it? So let me ask you this question. Let me put this up. Are you mad at God? Because he keeps taking you through the messy route. Ooh. Let's, let's just be honest. Sometimes we get mad at God. You may not stay mad at God, but sometimes you get mad at God. Jesus, you play too much. But are you going to stay mad at God when you're the one who needs the miracle? Yes, he takes you the messy way. And yes, you wish you would abracadabra and fix all your stuff quicker and easier. And yes, you wish you had somebody else's life and somebody else's route and somebody else's this and else's that. But at the end of the day, who needs the blessing? You or God? And if it's you, sometimes you just got to be like, well, if it's going to be messy, it's going to be messy. Let me go ahead and get my boots let me get my apron. Let me go ahead and prepare because it might get messy. But at the end of the day, I'm going to get what I need to get. So guess what? I'm going to stand in the mess, even in the problem and even in the trouble. Let, let me give you a story. There's a story of a lady, two ladies. This is a, a fictional story as far as I know. But it was a uh, two neighbors. And one neighbor had uh, this plant. That was on this side and the other neighbor was not liking how the plant was growing and keep coming over to her side of the fence was upset with it and so the upset neighbor decided I'm going to take dirt from my area 
and I'm going to throw it over on the other side to drown out that flower. In other words, keep your plant on your side. But the flower grew bigger because the dirt that they threw fertilized the flower. And what I'm trying to tell you is sometimes the reason why God takes you the messy route is because it's the mess that's actually making you grow strong and grow deep. It's the mess that's deepening you. And the folk that are throwing dirt on you, you keep wondering why didn't God stop them from throwing dirt? Because the dirt they throwing is actually helping you. They don't know it. They're helping you grow. They don't know the junk they put you through is helping you grow. And the reason why God won't stop the mess because the mess is the thing that's blessing you. My, my son uh, said something to me that uh, yesterday we were riding together. My son Dylan and, and uh, Brother Daryl had just come and cut our grass. And he said, have you noticed that in the backyard there's a patch of grass that's different than all the grass? It's growing thicker than in any other grass back there. I said, do you know why it's there? I said, because our dog Bentley, he pees there every day. That's his spot. And it looks like that's something nasty, but that's make the best grass is the grass that's been dumped on. And so I'm here to let you know somebody may be dumping on you. Somebody may be talking about you. Somebody may be lying on you. Somebody may be jealous of you. Somebody may be hating on you. And you're mad at God because God won't stop it, but God don't want to stop it because what they're putting you through is making you grow. And you're about to shine. You're about to grow. You're about to blossom. So take the mess, take the junk, take the stuff, because God knows what he's doing. Let me talk to you in TV land. God knows what he's doing. Don't get out of the mess. It's the mess that's blessing you. All right. All right. Let's, let's put this point up. I've already said it. Let's put it up as we move forward. Always remember, it's not God that needs the miracle. It's you. Let's look at 2 Kings 5.13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Let's, let's put this up too. We need people around us to reason with us so the mess won't make us miss the miracle. I like that the officer around him said, if he would have asked you to do something grand, you would have done it. So when he asked you to do something simple, even though it may not be what you wanted, it may have been more messy than what you wanted, wouldn't you just do it based on the fact that you're the one who has the issue? And I'm glad he listened. And sometimes the problem with us, we want to go through our mess alone. And so we don't have anybody talking to us. But sometimes you need somebody to talk to your head and tell you it's not as bad as you think. Why don't you just go ahead and do it? Why don't you just go ahead and, and do it? Well, they want me to do this. They, they, they want me to travel to be a nurse. Not knowing they're about to pay you triple what you making now. But you mad because it ain't, I can't be home watching my Netflix. You don't need the Netflix. God trying to push you into a whole nother tax bracket. You need somebody that'll talk to your mind and say, get out of yourself and do it. It might be good for you. 
That's why you have to have the right folk around you. When you're getting ready to quit college, you need somebody to step in your face and say, your, your mom and daddy didn't send you this far to get down here and quit. No, get back in the books. That's why when you're acting a fool, you need somebody to talk to your mind and say, stop acting a fool. You got to get back on track. You need somebody. And I give credit to Naaman. Naaman was the top leader in the land, but he listened to the officers around him. He listened to the people under him. And as your leader, I can never get so big that I can't reason with people that, I won't call y'all under me, but don't have the same level of spiritual authority that I have. We all are in this together, and that's how we grow. So Naaman, listen, let's, let's look at the next verse, verse 14. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Skin came healthy. He did what the man of God told him to do. And he did it thoroughly. Seven means completion. He did it thoroughly. Stop changing the instruction. Do it just like God said do it. Do just what God told you to do, but God will bless you. And sometimes it won't look good. It'll look messy. It'll look wrong. I got to tell you this story. I'm trying to close, but I got to tell you this story. Some years ago when we were uh, over there, my father had a, a desire for us to raise some money. And he didn't do it too often, but we were supposed to raise money at, or a church fund. They gave us several months to do it, like uh, maybe six months to do it or whatever. And so I decided I wanted to give $1,000 to the prophet. And I was believing God. Woo! God about to hook a brother up. I gave on Sunday. On Monday, my sewer started acting up, and we had to call Roto-Rooter, and Roto-Rooter cost 100 at the most. Back then, it was like 75 and they told me I had an $800 problem. And I'm like, wait a second, God. If I didn't give my 1000 yesterday, I would have... Money to fix the problem and 200 left over. That was a messy miracle. Why'd you make me give the money knowing I got this problem? And I had to fix the problem on a credit card. And for a while, I, I wasn't upset with God, but I was kind of thinking like, either I didn't hear you right, <laughs> or something. Or could, couldn't we have the offering on the go a month before? It, it didn't add up. And guess what? God didn't fix it. I kept thinking, well, by the end of the week, God going to turn around. I had to pay. I had to pay it off. I had to work, work and pay it off. And I kept wondering, it don't look like God ever fixed it. Went on about my business. I mean years, years about business. That was my old house. I was in my new home, and something happened in my new home. My wife says that there's this man knocking on the door in the new home. We had only been there like two, three months. On the new home, he knocked on the door, and he said, um, I'm coming back here to fix your sewer. She's like, okay. And so she calls me. And I was like, I ain't called that man. I don't know who he is. He fixes it, and once he gets done, he knocks back on the door. He said, we made a mistake. 
the old owner called me and told me to come fix the sewer but forgot to tell me her new address, so I came and fixed yours for free. I, I didn't know nothing about it. This was years later. And then I thought about it, and then God reminded me. He said, from the time you paid the $800, you have never had another issue then. Before, we was paying $100 every week. But then 10 years later, I hadn't paid the 100 after the 800 got fixed. And now I'm in a new house getting free service that I didn't even pay for. See, God fixed it for me, but it didn't look like I thought it was going to look. So I didn't know I got blessed, but I did get blessed because God did it in a messy way, but it was still a miracle. Let, let me keep going. Just last year, we did have some problems. We hadn't had it, had it done again. We've been there almost six years. So in the fifth year, we had some problems and we called someone out and they were like, we're going to have to bust up the floor. The cheapest it'll be is 15000 The most it'll be is 50000 And we didn't want to pay fifteen, and we didn't want to pay fifty. It just so happened that the same man who came out there years ago, I found his number and called him, and he's like, oh, no, this is a simple problem. He fixed it for 200 And so not only did the $1,000 that I sold, not only had it gone in my future and fixed everything that I ever needed, I thought God didn't do a thing, but some of the stuff he does is behind the scenes. He does some stuff the messy way. It don't look like you want it to look and you don't get a big testimony to tell everybody I sold a thousand dollars and a Rolls Royce showed up in the driveway. It don't always work like that. Sometimes it works small and it works messy, but just in my mathematical mind, I went back and calculated all the stuff that I should have paid. If all the estimates was right, I should have paid almost $65,000 and I got out of it for $800. So God is still a miracle worker. He just does it his way, but his way is still the best way. Let's look at these last verses. Verse, this, verse 15a, this is the last verse. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Now remember, this king is coming from a different land. They serve different gods. But God brought him to Israel to show him the God of Israel. And then he comes with this statement. And this statement is, now I know. Some of the, your messy miracles is to lead you to this place. Now I know. Well, 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 well what in the world is going to make a difference I don't know will change to now I know. God about to make a difference. How your marriage going to be fixed, I don't know. But now I know God is the fixer of all marriages. How your money going to get changed, I don't know is what you used to say. But now you say now I know God is the fixer. God is a supplier. 
God is the regulator. God is the mind worker. Let me tell you, like I told you a few weeks ago, he's a lawyer in the courtroom. He's a doctor in the sick room. He's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He's so high, you can't get over him. He's so low, you can't get under him. He's so wide, you can't get around him. You got to come in through the door, but he's a miracle worker in the door. He works in the midnight hour. He works in the noonday, and he works in the midnight hour. He turns things around, and now I know I got a savior on my side. Now I know I got an accountant on my team. Now I know I got a doctor in my life. Now I know I got a prophet on my side. Now I know. All right. Last point. Here's it. Here's, here's the last point. Put this up. Both the mess and the miracle is to get you to know there is no God. Like Jehovah. I'm not here to say that there's not no other gods. But let me say it this way. There's no other God for me. You can worship who you want, be what you want, do what you want. It don't bother me. But I know as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm serving Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh which means the Lord my provider. Jehovah Nissi, which means the Lord my banner. Jehovah Sakinu, which means the Lord my righteousness. Jehovah Makedis, which means the Lord my sanctification. Jehovah Roi, which means the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that, that healeth me. Whatever you need, and you may not know all those things, and you may just call him Mary's baby. You may call him J-E-S-U-S. You may call him Savior. Me, you may call him Lord. You may even call him Big Papa, but whatever you call him, I'm here to let you know that's the God that I serve because he's brought me a mighty long way. I should have lost my mind, but he brought me out. I should have gave up, but he brought me out. When I was depressed, he brought me out. When I was failing, he brought me out. When I was losing, he brought me out. When I was sick, he brought me out. When I was broke, he brought me out. I call him God. I can say like Moses said, I am that I am. Whatever you need, that he is. I am peace, I am. I am joy, I am. I know that God is the God that I believe, and he's the God that I serve. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Well, is it black? It don't make a difference as long as he come through for me. Is he white? It don't make a difference as long as he come through for me. Is he Republican? It don't make a difference as long as he come through for me. I just want a God that'll come through for me. Even in my mess. Come on, let's go right into our communion. As we go into this communion, I will say this. I don't know another God that Hung, bled, and died for you. Believe what you want to believe. Do what you want to do. But I don't know another God that hung, bled, and died. So this reminds us of that. Let's go right into the verses. Sister Mitchell, would you start with verse 23, 11, 23? For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. All right, let's look at verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Come on, let's eat that bread. 
Sister Mitchell, I'll finish for you so that you can partake as well. Verse 25, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance. Come on, let's drink. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, which we do it every first Sunday, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Come on, let's give God a hand praise or a shout of praise. Because when we proclaim his death, we are also proclaiming his victory. So let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, God, you brought us out of... Uh, um, you brought us a mighty long way. God, through many trials, tribulations, and messes, and messy situations. And some of us are still in some messes, but God, you specialize in them. And God, no matter how messy it gets, we will plan to trust you to get us out of everything and get us where we need to be. And we want to be that walking advertisement for your glory, your power, your grace. And like we prayed this morning through Sister Ruthie, your mercy. We give you praise and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.